Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back and I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on buddy? Hey man, just got back in from digging out from that snowstorm we just had. Oh man, here in Michigan, man, we love our Lions, but we do not love this weather. Uh, just been ice and snow and uh, just slippery conditions, you know, just been nuts. So um, anyway, with that being said, man, we're going to talk football like we always do here, do here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Griffka, my news and notes, did you hear that Bobby Quinn stepped to a mic? So did Matt Pat. I heard, we even heard from... Uh, Daryl Bevel spoke as well. So uh, we got uh, lots to digest there. So my first question to you is, did you hear Bobby Quinn? One of those things like, you know, nobody's job is safe and we're going to compete type thing. And if, uh, you know, drafting a quarterback with what the, the amount of fundage you've already had in your quarterback. And we've talked about how either trading him or cutting Matt Stafford would uh, really hamper the salary cap for the next year or two. You know, taking a quarterback in the first round and, I, the quarterbacks are in this draft. I, I don't think any any of them are going to be like that outstanding. You know, I just ultimately they're going to fizzle out or just be other guys on the team. So, like I said, that him saying you know anything's on the table is just one of those things like kind of putting it on record that nobody's job is safe. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought it was just something you say. I mean, I sometimes I don't know why these GMs try to drum up interest you know, when everybody pretty much knows it's not true. Like, yeah, you know, I, I doubt like, you know, 10 GMs in the league are going, hmm, the Lions, they, they might take a quarterback. You know, they're just doing like we are. They're just going, whatever. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, I guess that's just what they do. Uh, I don't know why you do things when it's really not effective or nobody believes you. That just seems like wasted time to me. But uh, I thought that was curious. I mean, um, next thing I had on my list before we had talked about how the Lions can improve and you loved, uh, go get Antonio Brown. He's the, he'll be the best receiver on the team. He's a, he's a good player. He's talented. And I blew you out of the water for that. And then I said, what about Kareem Hunt, man? He, he's going to be cheap, which you know, I like, and, uh, someone's going to give him a chance. Why don't we uh, have a combo backfield with this guy that you can get for nothing. And he ended up going to his hometown town, hometown team, man, I can't talk today in Cleveland. And a million bucks, nothing guaranteed, would be a restricted free agent when it's all said and done. Bobby Quinn said he wanted good people and good players. Like I said, I just don't, I think it's one of those things that's more of a, uh, I don't stand for what Kareem Hunt did. I'm not looking, you know, looking to get into anything like that. But um, the Cleveland Browns, like we had talked about, I think they're one of those teams that's trying to make a splash, trying to get some, trying to get some uh, attention, you know, drum up more support from a, from a team that was pretty much lifeless for how long 
you know, they were pretty much off the radar. And this just brings more cameras, you know, to them, makes them a little more, you know, talkative from other people in the NFL. Um, like I said, I don't think the Lions really want that type of pub, no matter what, no matter how good, no matter how good he could be. I know Michael Roberts, you know, said that he would love to see him get a second chance, but uh, him just, uh, uh, him not signing with the Lions and Bob Quinn saying, I want good people. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want a team of Boy Scouts, that's cool, but I know you said before, every once in a while, you got to make a run at somebody who may, uh, who may have a, a skeleton or two in his closet, but like I said, I'm, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm standing up for saying what Kareem Hunt was was right was was good and should have done you know was okay, I'm okay with it I'm not saying that at all but I can see why Cleveland did it and I can see why Bob Quinn would say he wouldn't want to do that so yeah well Grifka you brought up a lot of my points is that yeah no one's condoning what he did but you were all oh, the the Cleveland Browns you know they're trying to drum up interest they've never won anything like we're the freaking Lions, man. It's been since 1957. We haven't won anything either. Like, when are we going to start? Basically got an all-pro running back for a million bucks uh, with no, like, guarantees, no lockdown on his contract. Like, if I told you that we got Billy Bob, whose name wasn't Kareem Hunt, he's an all-pro, and, hey, I'm only going to pay him a million, you'd love it, you know? But, like, these are the kind of, you know, luck of the draws or, like, once in a million when a guy like this gets cut away that I think – you know, just like when they wanted to deal Khalil Mack, like another premium pass rusher that's 25 years old or however old he is and great character, explosive. Those guys aren't going to come up, you know, every day. So when they do, you got to be got to be on it. And as I give them is that these guys interview them, you know, throughout the draft process. They have like investigators that can go and dig up every little nugget of his whole life. So I'm just assuming they know much more than we do and there must be some more stuff that we don't know about in his past that just says something might creep up again or it's not just this one issue because like i say we're not making light of it but um you gotta give people a second chance and he didn't seem like a bad guy coming out of school from the interviews and stuff i saw of him so i think it's just a missed opportunity i'm not gonna like you know it's not gonna be the biggest deal in the world but i mean when i saw what he got and how there was no like anything holding the Browns back. I just thought, man, you know, they might get a steal and it's going to help their offense, man. They're going to be good once he gets back and gets playing. Now, just on a side note, I want to, I don't want to belabor this point, but do you think it'd be different? I mean, cause he was really good, obviously for what he did for Kansas city. And we all saw in the draft, but you remember Joe Mixon from Cincinnati. We all saw that video right there. Do you think and Cincinnati still, still took him eventually in the draft and he's on the team. If Joe Mixon was like, I mean, and he's a decent running back. He is. He's not great by any stretch of the imagination. He's not that great, but he's decent. Do you think it would be different if he was, if he had like the years that Kareem Hunt had? You know, Joe Mixon. I'm, I'm just kind of saying. Do you think there'd be more of a backlash or like, because there's no backlash to it now? I mean, but I think that's maybe what the Lions are worried about. They're afraid of a backlash. You know, and like, you know, if he was a superstar, great, cool. And people saw what Cream Hunt did, but, you know, Joe Mixon kind of flies under the radar. He's, he's, he's kind of like another guy on the team. He puts up a game here and there, but most of the time he doesn't put out outstanding <laughs> stats. Do you just think it's because oh Cream Hunt gosh. was like such a superstar? This star was so bright in Kansas City that like nobody wants to touch this guy because it's, it's more there? Or if he was just kind of like, you know, somewhere it's like he's decent, but not outstanding. He, he might be able to get away with a little more, you know? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I do, and I'm waiting for you to stop so I can blow you up, Chris. Because first of all, it's a great point you bring up about Joe Mixon because what he did, in my opinion, if I'm looking at both videos, is way worse. And it got talked about up to the draft, but once he got picked by Cincinnati, I haven't heard people one, not only about the situation, but um, to me, not knowing all the behind the scenes, Joe Mixon has been a Boy Scout. Now, I don't know where you're coming off with, uh, he's kind of okay as a game here or there. Grifka, last year, Joe Mixon had 237 carries for almost 1,200 yards, has scored eight rushing touchdowns, and had a bunch of receiving yards as well. So this guy is like a on the come up, you know, pro bowler. He's one of my favorite football players in the league. Now, do I love what he did? Absolutely not reprehensible. But I think what happens with like most people, you see it with celebrities, all these people like they do these horrible things and it's like this hot fire, but then they get a second chance. And as long as they don't screw up again, or it, it gets forgotten about our society is so quick to go. So, I mean, if Kareem Hunt stays on the straight and narrow and we don't hear anything from him, you know, people are going to totally bypass this and judge him what he does on the field. That's just how society is. So I think your mixing is a good example. Cause if that happens for the Browns, it's incredible hire. And we saw it with the guy in Cincinnati. I mean, I would love Joe Mixon's talent on the on the Lions roster, uh, but nobody wanted to touch him to what the third round because of what he did, and they got a crazy value. So anyway, we got to keep it moving. But I think you're right that you know it has to do with the immediacy. But it's not that Kareem Hunt was this incredible player and Joe Mixon is this mid tier, low tier guy. I think they're about at the same level. It's just that Kareem Hunt's happened what X amount of months ago and. Joe Mixon's was a couple of years ago. So people have moved on and he hasn't screwed up yet. Like if he does something terrible next year, people are going to be going crazy about it. So the lions have to consider it. I mean, when Bob Quinn takes that, you know, good guys, good players type of thing that really pigeonholes you on, okay, when do you give someone a second chance? Because when you do, everybody's going to bring it up, you know? And that's what I'm worried about when he says stuff like that. It's like, okay, what if another good player with a little bit of checker pass and he does grab them, people can be like, hey, didn't you say you didn't want those type of people? And now he's got a double issue rather than just saying, you know, hey, we didn't think Kareem Hunt fit our team at this time. You know, he could have done that. So anyway, they missed out on him. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us. But like say, carry on, feed him. Grifka, I got one more quick news and notes. So I guess there's a schedule leak. It looks like we're in plan. Chicago on uh, Thanksgiving again this year. Uh, you know, they beat us up. Hopefully uh, we can beat them up on a uh, Turkey day here in 2019. But did you hear the thing about Taylor or Gabriel, I guess, slipped on Twitter and put, Oh, lions on th- Turkey day, easy W. And then he quickly deleted it, bro. You can't delete Twitter. Someone's grabbed it. All the lions players, everybody in the league saw this thing and everybody's going at him. Like, you see this about Taylor Gabriel, and first of all, Grifka, answer me: Who the heck is Taylor Gabriel anyway? That's, what a bum! Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> that's what that's all I feel. I'm like, who are you? When's the last time D- Taylor Gabriel did anything in the NFL <laughs> right. to say anything? I mean, Easy W. It's right. just like, he's made like dude, three, plays. You know, play last year? three plays. Three plays. I mean, I mean right. were you on the team? I mean, I don't remember seeing you catch any passes or do anything great. So for you to say like, oh, Easy <laughs> W. I mean, okay, there, Mr. Coattail, uh, congratulations, you know, because uh, they allowed you to put on a helmet every once in a while. You have the right to go shoot your mouth off. I mean, that team was good because of the defense, not because of you, Taylor Gabriel. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, you know, say something, you know, easy W. I mean, okay, congratulations, man. You just, I mean, everybody says, oh, in the pros, you don't need billboard material. Whatever, man, pros look at that thing, and they're going to see that guy, and, you know, 
you know, they're going to be talking junk when he's not catching anything and the lines are whooping up on him twice, you know, in 2019. It's like, yeah, thanks, Taylor Gabriel. If you even make the team, okay? So. <laughs> I mean, it's been crazy. Like, Diggs is going at him. Slay had something to say. Like, uh, uh, this is a whole other topic. Maybe we can get into it in another show, Grifka. But Kyle Van Noy was on Good Morning Football. And, oh, my gosh, he was hilarious. He seemed like the greatest guy ever. It just hurt me that why couldn't he do that in a Lions uniform? But I guess he put on Twitter <laughs> to, like, I think it was to Diggs. He said, Yo, what up, Diggs? What's uh, Taylor Gabriel saying about your squad or something? Like, and they put hashtag instigator, <laughs> just trying to start up a fight. And they were just going, uh, like, I guess they still really like Kyle Van Noy, but I know there's some other Lions fans on Twitter that are just going at Taylor Gabriel and, oh, we'll see you next year. Like, wait till you come over the middle. Diggs will be looking for you. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is this is good stuff. Only, like you said, it's coming from a number four receiver that's probably made three plays in his life in Atlanta and, um, you know, just over there talking yeah, noise. Like, so I thought we'd just bring that up. But, uh, like say, anything to get the boys going yeah, on I mean, that's Day. like when, when, you know, hate to break them. It's like, like when Brett Favre played and, like, if Doug Peterson said something, it's just like, dude, you, like, never touched the field. I mean, shut up. Right. I mean, who are you? I mean, yeah, Doug Peterson, you played really well in the preseason, then never touched the field during the regular season. Like, you know, okay, Taylor Gabriel, yeah, keep talking, man. I mean, I can't remember the last time you actually caught a pass. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like you say, man, uh, funny to see that. And I love when players tweet something stupid and then – it's always reported like, and moments later he deleted it. It's like, it's like, Oh man. Then, you know, the PR people were right on the phone or he just realized what a stupid thing. I mean, it's yeah. just hilarious. So that's all I got news and notes, man. Uh, today we're doing a Kool-Aid Kool-Aid rewind on the Seattle Seahawks game. You ready to do this? Yeah. Let's uh, make our way through this uh, tough slogging game here. All right. And right before we do, we're going to do a quick uh, pause for the cause for one of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Grifka, we've had a f- couple fun Kool-Aid rewinds. Um, we got to talk about the Patriots win. We got to go down to Miami and play incredible. Um, we've had some fun. Now, unfortunately, the season's kind of get turns on us here. We have a big game against Seattle. We just acquired Snacks Harrison. We're feeling good. We're 3-3 three and three at this point. And uh, the Seahawks come to town. And this one isn't going to be as fun to review. What we're going to do is I'm just going to go blow by blow, do some things that jumped off to me when I turned the tape back on and uh, get you involved as we go along. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's uh, work our way through this painful game. So, Grifka, my first note for the game is I put Okwara had a nice sack on Seattle's first drive to make him punt. And the reason I wrote this down, too, is if you go back and watch it, it was one where he rushed off the right end. Russ kind of sprinted out the other way like he normally does, spin move out to the other side. And if you watch it closely, like Aquara like didn't go right for him. He kind of like kept his outside leverage, kept him in the pocket, and he sh- 
he uh, shuffled his way back to the middle and Aquara was able to put him on the ground and make him punt. So I thought it was a great play, great discipline play by him. And uh, Seattle had been moving the ball decently. So to be able to get him to punt there, I thought was a nice little play right off the get go. Yeah, that was nice. I, I hit the bell. I agree with you. I noticed that as well. I jotted down that same note. <laughs> Next item. Uh, I just put there was really nowhere for carry on to run early in this football game. Stafford um, seemed to be pretty accurate, but it was all on these short passes. I mean, I've really been watching Stafford close and, you know, we loved what we saw on some of the victories and he didn't play that bad in this football game. When you look at the numbers, but I was a little frustrated in the beginning that he was dinking and dunking, you know, his feet, he just kind of looks like a, uh, scarecrow back there the way he's standing he's not bouncing around he's not able to quickly move and throw it's usually one two three pass um, without letting some things develop so I put that as a note um, right after that though I got a great play by number nine to buy time on this play he kind of um, did get back in the pocket was able to step up I think he slid to the left and was able to crank a deep ball down the left side and Marvin for a touchdown what do you think about that play Grifka? Uh, nice read because um, there was a little bit of pressure and he was able to make his way out of the pocket and it was a nice catch and in the, uh, you know, fitted in there perfectly. And Marvin Jones made a nice catch, you know, for, for a touchdown. So uh, that's, that's one of those things like watching the game again, they, they just seem to be moving. Like you said, it was a lot of short passes, but I mean, on that drive, he hit Tate a couple times for some first downs. He hit uh, our new tight end, Toy Lolo, who we, we might have found something with him, you know, as the new tight end. <laughs> but um, he was, like you, you know. said, Carrion didn't have a whole lot of space. It looked like Seattle was planning to stop the run and make Stafford beat him with his arm. And that first drive, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, man, good take by you. Uh, what I thought real quick on it was, like, the way it looked, it looked just like the uh, – I think it was two touchdowns over the last handful of games that got called back where he kind of moved up through a nice laser down that left sideline touchdown. I was like waiting for the flag and I was like, Oh wait, that was a green Bay game. And then, you know, Miami game or whatever it was where they took a couple of touchdowns off the board um, on similar type plays, but yeah, heck of a throw by Stafford uh, Marvin with the sliding type catch. Really nice. Um, this was snacks. First game, as I said, I thought he made a difference right away. I know they even caught a couple comments from Spielman where the first few plays they were getting running yards with Carson and this and that. And then I think it was probably like the fifth play of the game or something. They subbed in snacks and like right off the first play of the game and tried to run it. He stuffs up the middle. Next play stuffs up the middle and Spielman was loving it. He was like, that's why he goes, there's your fifth round pick. I'll take it all day. He was loving it. So uh, you had to notice that too, Hunger, because snacks jumping off the uh, tape right off the get-go in a Lions Yeah, and I remember I went back after um, watching the game, rewatching it, and I remember the headlines reading, actually reading some of the comments from the week of that game prior to the game, that they were going to try to bring him along slow, you know, not play him the whole time. And you could tell, like you said, those mm-hmm. first few runs, Carson was just gashing them. And then even like when he wasn't in there later, Carson was getting the bigger runs. I know we'll cover this, but Carson what, had over 100 yards of that game. And he just had some massive holes, but those holes weren't there when Snacks was in the game. So, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's obviously the big difference on that defensive line the team needed. And that was our first look at him. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, this is this guy is living up to his hype and does seem to be good. But, man, throughout the rest of the season, as we know now, he really did uh, totally change that defense and make a, a huge difference in the middle uh, with the scheme that we play. So that was awesome to see. Um, next note I've got here, unfortunately, is a TD to Tyler Lockett. Um, 
versus uh, Nevin Lawson. I mean, I put here Lawson is there, but he just can never make a play on the football. I mean, it's great coverage, but it's terrible coverage because he's right there in his hip pocket. He can't turn his head. He can't get his hands up. He can't do anything. Tyler Lockett just jumps over and makes the catch for a touchdown. Tyler Lockett was one of my picks to click this last year in fantasy. I grabbed him in a few leagues and man, did he have a tremendous year and is a ascending player for Seattle, no doubt yeah. about it. So um, that makes it 7-7 seven, seven in the football yeah, game. Even on that drive, though, I mean, I don't want to belabor or belittle the Lions defense after just talking about snacks, but, you know, Russell Wilson used his feet really well and didn't seem like the Lions had that much of an answer for him. I mean, there's a couple times on that drive he was able to scramble out of pressure, get up, you know, make a pass or at least run away and, you know, pick up a few yards. And that really led to that drive where it continued um, what Wilson was able to do continued to keep the drive alive, which allowed him to get that touchdown to uh, to uh, Lockett, which I know you really like Lockett. So, and I just really dislike Nevin yeah. Lawson. So, way to get both names in that play. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I just want to encourage all the Kool-Aid drinkers, too. Just jump on YouTube real quick, and you can pull up, I think it's a 9- or 10-minute um, set of highlights for this game. You can pretty much rewatch, rewatch the game. Me and Griff could have been using uh, NFL Game Pass where we can get the condensed version. But we encourage all you guys, either after you listen to our Kool-Aid rewinds or maybe before we do these, you go on there, jump on, and catch at these games because it is interesting to watch it back and remember some of these plays or remember some of the things you forgot. So I would love to forget this next play, Griffka, but right after the locket touchdown, they kick it to your boy, Amir Abdullah. Oh, wait, that was my guy. Um, and he puts the ball on the turf. As Griffith said, he either puts himself on the turf with a gust of wind or he puts the ball on the turf. Here he goes fumbling on a kickoff. And I put right here just a side anecdote. This was the end of Amir Abdullah as a lion, basically, on this play. I, uh, I don't even want to talk about this. Take a couple, take a couple, take a couple cheap. Shots I don't. I don't even want to on. talk about this play because you know how I felt about Amir Abdullah. I always thought it was wrong for him to, you know, I don't know how you can put a guy with fumble problems on the kickoff team with guys barreling down on you, ready to ready to <laughs> knock you over. And this, yeah, that makes sense. We got butter sticks for hands, and we're gonna put him as the guy <laughs> holding the ball with guys running full speed down at you. It's like, hey, try to break these guys' tackles. Yeah, good thinking. So that's enough of that. <laughs> That's that. That's a Grifka bell because everybody hasn't heard. Go back in the archives and listen to our shows and listen to Grifka bring that same point up a million times. Again, give him credit when he's right. Uh, I thought Amir Abdullah still had athleticism and shake. He ended up having nothing except butter stick hands, like you say, and ended up costing us big because soon after that touchdown to David Moore, I wrote who with a big question mark and big letters. Who the heck's David Moore? All I know is that he beat with his strength and Tabor just had bad position, bad balance, bad everything. 14, seven Hawks before I could blink. You know what I mean? Just ridiculous. Uh, I put here T's has to turn his head. Um, there was a play soon after this. I think the Seahawks ended up getting the football back. They throw it deep down the field. Again, another catch right over top of T's doesn't get his head around. Doesn't make a play on the football. The guy makes the catch as he's turning to go down. Tease actually does make a good play and gets his hand in there, knocks the football out. It's clear as day. And uh, the nice zebras go in and review this thing after, I think, a challenge from Matt Pat. And they call it a catch. I mean, I know they have some new rules, but this guy barely – first, he barely had the football at all. Then he's backpedaling, so he's not like he's making any kind of movement. They're calling it a football move. He's falling down, and he hits the ground, and as he's hitting the ground, the ball's squirting out like – that's a no-catch, Griff. Could tell me this was just a ridiculous call when you saw it again. <laughs> that, that, that one just irritated me. Then they bring up my boy, Dean Blandino. I could go suck oh. on a grenade. But uh, 
I mean, come on, man. Really? Yeah, like you said, it's football movies. He's backpedaling, trying to keep his balance. You know, that's like, oh, that's a football move. So you're saying the third move as football movie is actually falling to his butt? I mean, come on. What happened to possession? Like, I never had possession. He had it, like, squeezed while T's kind of ha- is pushing him down with his hand on. I don't call that full control of the football. Yeah, I mean, that's just that, – which was such a joke, and I saw that. I'm just – you know, I made the same note. I'm just like, bad turnover. I mean, bad call. I mean, that's horrible. I mean, oh, that's <laughs> under the new rules. You know, he gets the one foot to second. The third step, you mean, as he's falling to his butt, he puts, a third, he puts his foot down. Once again, trying to maintain his balance, obviously, to stay up. But that's all he was. He was just falling to his butt. And, like, that, that's the third step, which, you know, signifies the football move. It's like, whatever. And, and- – <laughs> and the other thing I hate about it is because I do like the rule where I don't think you should have to catch the ball, hit the ground, roll over three times, hold it, get up, hand it to the referee for it to be a catch. No, I think if you catch it, you get your feet down or you turn up field um, and then you go out of bounds, it gets knocked out. It should be still a catch. You know, I'm all for that. But this was so bang, bang. It was like he, he might have hit the ground for a tenth of a second, but the ball was already getting kind of pushed out by the defender. Like, it was just so obvious. But how they called it good, I mean, just shook my head of, like, like I was just waiting for a griff. But that wouldn't happen in the Packers, Steelers, Cowboys, it's Pat, Patriots game. You know, one of those classic bits by you. But you didn't go there, so I'm proud of you. Um, so let's keep this thing moving. We'll get through this game for everybody Uh you know, right after that, you know, a TD right over Diggs. Again, we've been getting, giving Diggs a lot of credit as we've been doing these rewinds. And when he sees it, he hits it and goes. But this was one of those where he had good coverage. Um, you know, tell me if you've heard this before. He was there and couldn't play the football. And the guy just jumped right over him for a touchdown, 21-7 Hawks at the half. That was what? That was a t- Dixon, right? Yeah. Yep. Once again, like, like you said, Lions just have trouble covering that tight end. That's uh, that's their kryptonite. Uh, it's like Seattle wanted these balls more though. Like they were basically 50-50 balls, only the Seahawks made them like 90-10 balls by just jumping over our guys, sticking their hands over our guys' face and making these catches for first downs, touchdowns, everything. And then hey Griffka, look at this. After half, big play by Dixon. Um no one even covered the tight end on the play action. They just ran a simple, I think it was third and short. They ran like the most basic play action fake and no one covers him he runs off to the right and i mean i could have thrown this ball to him he scored, what do you get about 50 yeah, that on was like play? one of those plays in the old madden games like madden 94 or something like for the play action right. always worked no matter what you know it's like you know it's yeah. not like you know as Madden went along he got more and more defined tougher to but it was just like i remember those old madden games you would always run a play action and it seemed like Everybody got sucked up, you know, the defensive line, the linebackers, the defensive backs, the popcorn carrier, the coaches, and like whoever was the, the whoever you were throwing to was just standing wide open. For, and that's what it reminded me of right there. It's just like, does anybody realize this guy's running a route right now? <laughs> but. Exactly. And this usually happens on the goal line, but it happened about what midfield he almost scores on the play. It's just, it's just bad defense. I mean, we have to pay more attention on these little plays. I I don't mind selling out when you think you know the play and getting burned every once in a while, but it happens way too often with the lions. So fast forward in here in the game, you know, the, um, the Seahawks put another big drive together, or I think maybe it was the end of this drive because Dixon didn't score. We're able to get him to the ground. It ends up being fourth and goal. And the Lions, like, what happened? Oh, yeah, they fourth and goal. The Seahawks show us no respect. They go for it. They 
they hike it. You know, Russell Wilson is just dead to right. He starts running around 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, but somehow we can't get there with our pass rush. He kind of moves around and throws a nice, easy touchdown to uh, Nick Vanette, I think it was, their tight end. And then we get saved. He was out of bounds, first man to touch, and it's not even like a penalty. It's just a loss of down, and we get the football. So it's like a fourth down where we got burned and they scored on us, yet we stopped them and turned it over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I, I know you least. hate when I say stuff, but that just seemed like a total Lions play right there. It seems like only Lions, but <laughs> exactly. We need those to happen when, like, the stupid Atlanta game where we lose a game on a dumb call like that. Instead, here, yeah, we get the football, no, and then we I, just do nothing with it. So I want to, I want to step back for a second. That happened what that touchdown in like the fourth quarter, and I know the third quarter wasn't all that impressive, you know, with sustaining drives. But I was watching the game, I watched in the third quarter, did it seem like the Lions changed the game plan a little bit at halftime? Instead of, like, trying to continue to run, you know, carry on, it seemed like they got them out in the backfield more, you know, on some out in the flats or at least, uh, you know, on little wheel routes. They seemed to use them more catching the ball out of the backfield. And it just it made me wonder, like, why they kind of stopped doing that at points because at points they were moving the ball and then they'd get away from that and, you know, the drive would stall and they'd have to punt. But I, I always kind of wonder, like, why wouldn't they do more of that? I mean, yeah, it's like it was always out to the flat. You know, why don't they do that, you know, where they fake the dive and, you know, it's like a play action, but then the running back fakes the, like, the, the dive, fakes the block, then just kind of goes to the middle and is, like, standing there in the middle. They kind of run that with Theo Riddick every once in a while. can't understand why they didn't run that with, like, on Johnson either, but... I mean, did you see that, or did you even think that while watching that? Because that's what I thought. The Lions used them more in the third quarter than what they were in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a good observation by you. I mean, he definitely got more um, in the pass game. He ended up with six car- six receptions for 69 yards and only um, 22 yards in the rush game. I mean, he couldn't get anything going in the rush game. But the reason I didn't bring it up, Griff, because I see a double goose egg here in the third quarter. Like, nothing happened for either team on the scoreboard. But, yeah, not only did they change it up and get him more involved, but, again, this was just a nice reminder for us and for the other Kool-Aid drinkers that watch it. Um Kerryon Johnson catch the football, and when he does, he's dangerous. They ran a couple nice screens, or they slinged it out to him. And, man, when he gets his stride going, he kicks it into first gear, like, nice and quick, like a nice Ferrari. So I, I did love seeing that, no doubt about it. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so, continue back to the fourth quarter. Let's, uh, let's just yeah. kind of move on here. You know, after the touchdown, makes it 20 yeah. and seven. Yeah, no, you're good, man. And then, uh, you know, we, it seems like we bring it up every game, but I had to make a note of this. You just talked about carry on. Crazy stiff arm, throws him to the ground, an absolute just grab his face, choke slam again by number 33. You had to, he had to love it. Yeah, that guy's, like I said last game, we were talking about those three plays where he threw Kiko Alonso to the ground. The guy's got some strength, man. And the thing I was going to say that's crazy when you brought up the pass catching, like, I love, and for years, I've loved Seattle's linebackers, man. Bobby Wagner, man. We, if we had a guy like that, I mean, I'd absolutely love it. K.J. Wright is actually a free agent, and I love what he does as well. They just have nasty, good, smart, coverage-type linebackers, but they weren't able to deal with carry-on out of the backfield. Yeah. You're right on that. Um, again, unfortunately, I've got a deep ball on tees. Once again, just chalk it up. Um, Carson, uh, the running back for Seattle, I have just with a man's game touchdown. He ran over, I want to say it was Diggs and, uh, Jared Davis tried to get in there on the side as well. He basically ran through right, both those guys, 28, seven Hawks, 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
Um, the Lions come back. Amazing touchdown throw to Marvin Jones. I thought he absolutely – Matt Stafford, this is his favorite throw in football, is when you know somebody runs basically a go route down the sideline, but the cover – corner is in zone and he lets him go and the and safety doesn't get over quick enough Matt Stafford just laser beam between the two um touchdown and make it 28 14 now when this happened I was kind of going is this one of those comebacks where they got close I couldn't really remember the game um but we're gonna see here shortly it uh it turned quickly did you have anything on that uh, Marvin touchdown do you really love that one Griffin no I mean it was just another nice catch by him it was one of those things where you know, um, it was a nice kid. since Golden Tate was gone, I thought, you know what, because this was Golden Tate's first game gone. Was that, is that correct? No, no. Next one is, sorry. I'm getting my games mixed up. Yeah. But um, he really stepped up in this game where he seemed like um, other games he wasn't uh, quite as, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't have stats. But he had, I mean, he had a good game. I think was it I jotted down. He had seven catches for 117 yards and those two touchdowns. And, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of those, I mean, they were nice passes by Stafford, but he, Marvin Jones made some great catches on those two. They just weren't like those pedestrian, you know, guys standing wide open. He had to, he had to make some moves to get open. You know, Stafford made the throw, and Marvin Jones made made nice catches. Yep, I agree with you. Um, I put here a great third and one stop by JD. You know, Seahawks got the football back. They're trying to run some clock at this point. Third and short. Jared Davis comes in, absolutely swallows up the running back. Lions get the football back. You're thinking, hmm, they can come back and, and put some points on the board. You know, it could be a good thing. Next thing you know, um, we get the ball. We actually started with a decent drive. We're about midfield. Matt Stafford steps up in the pocket. I don't know what he's doing. He just – he seems like he's being robotic, like he always has two hands on the football. But then when he gets a little bit of a rush, he takes the one hand off and – he just got lazy with it and put it on the ground. I mean, those are just the – those are the ones that kill me. Like, if you're fighting for every yard and you, somebody strips it out, no big deal. But when you just kind of lose it out of your hand or we're going to see later with another play that he had, I mean, those are the ones I'm going to kill him on because those are just plays you not only don't have to make, you can't make as a franchise quarterback, as a 10-year vet. It's just inexcusable, so – um, right here, we got a big sack by Snacks Harrison in his debut. I want to say maybe he had two in this game, but this was one I noted. He uh, got good pressure, kept fighting, and just kind of swallowed up the quarterback. Again, turned the football over to us. Um, the referees give us a ridiculously generous P.I. where Matt Stafford just guns it 60 yards down the field to Marvin. Uncatchable, not even close, but they call pass interference and give us basically 60 free yards. I thought that was funny. And then uh, – I don't know what Matt Stafford's doing. Grifka, I remember us talking about this one. He uh, He's down tight. He's within the 10. He just made a good little run, I think, to move the sticks, make it first and goal from the, I want to say, inside the around the five. He gets the ball and rolls out to right, and Golden Tate's nowhere open. He's got a guy behind him. He's got a corner right in front. He just throws the football. I don't know. He thought maybe he could just graze it over his hand, but the guy's right there. He just intercepts the football, basically ends the game. What did you think about that play? I believe on that play, he already had his mind made up who he was going to. And, uh, yeah. Because if you kind of – it doesn't – If I, I don't, I can't remember. I, I just – I watched it not too long ago, and I can't remember him, like, kind of doing a check off. You know, it might have been one of those things like, oh, he looks off the safety, you know, like one of those quick glances. But, you know, the pros are, are good enough to realize, okay, you're not looking at my way. And it's because it, when that pass play came out, when he threw it, if you look, look how many Seattle defenders are over there. And the guy's working his way over there to make the pick. So, obviously, he was locked onto this guy for a while. 
and he wasn't fooling anybody. So I think he had his mind made up, you know, oh, check off the safety, look at this guy, I'm going to throw him the ball. But by that point, either Seattle had, like, you know, done their homework and saw the play and they kind of knew what was coming, or that checkoff didn't fool anybody. Yeah, and my big issue is, like, anytime you roll the quarterback, I feel like you're cutting down the field in half or in, you know, three quarters by rolling to the short side like they did. And like you said, just a bunch of players over there and not much place to go. And as the people would say, don't throw back, cross your body. Even that's usually the play that works, you know, um, on those type of plays where you're really in tight, you can sneak somebody out the backside because everybody knows you're going at short side. Like I said, I think he's predetermined. I think he trusted his arm too much. And it wasn't even one of those like, Oh, if he had just thrown it a little bit, high. it was like, you know, he would have had to get it way higher. And if he does, it's, it's uncatchable at that point. So I just thought it was a terrible decision. I mean, uh, like I said, basically end of the game. Um, next thing I know, the Seahawks get the football back. We stop them really deep in their end. So it's like, okay, maybe we'll get the ball back and maybe we can, uh, you know, come down and get points onside kick, something like that. And they end up fake punting it in their own end zone which is ridiculous. And then I guess, remember the, the rumor innuendo was like, he's supposed to sort of run out of the back of the end zone, but he saw that nobody was over there. So the kicker has the cojones just to take off. But then when I watched it on replay, what I hated so much, I think it was Mike Ford. He's over there playing the gunner role. It's pretty obvious. This guy's been rolling out for, I don't know how long he's not punting the football and he doesn't come up and just crack this kicker. Once he does see it, he tiptoed his way up and, like, tagged him down like it was uh, flag football when you were six years old in the at the rec league. I mean, come up and just level this guy and try to get the ball out, or I don't know what he was doing, but that ended the game, and that was one of those plays that was talked about, and it was like – it was just one of those embarrassing plays where not only did it work, but the way it worked and the fact that we got – they did a fake punt in their end zone up on us and it worked and ended the game. Just Pete Carroll over there chomping on his gum, loving it. Just annoyed me like to no end. So I just put here, man, we just weren't good enough. Bottom yeah, that, line. Yeah. That, the lines just didn't look, you know, there was a couple times where they just looked sharp. They did where they put nice drives together, good plays. But like I said, most of the game, they just, they just did, just did not look good. And that, that fake punt just kind of sealed it. That's that right. There was just a face palm. That's all it is. It's like, you know, like, what are you guys thinking? They're, you know, I mean, because they were backed up. You know, I mean, that was they were really backed up. It's not like you know, it was one of those, you know, oh, they just gave the punter some space, you know, and from the punt. No, I mean, they were deep in their ends. They were deep in their end, and they still yeah, just like oh, Rifkin, he runs down he was, the back line his, in the end zone. Just like oh, there's nobody there. I'll cut it up. And it's just like give me a yeah. break. You know, I mean, what you yeah, Griffka, I would say he was pretty deep. He was in the back of the end zone, and then he he ran through the back of the end zone up to about the 10, 11, wherever the first down marker was, ran about 20 yards and we didn't, couldn't make a play on the dang punter. Like you gotta be kidding me. So, oh, anyway, um, what we want to do, Grifka, I got a couple quick, um, little discussion questions, but we got some, um, listener questions from the Kool-Aid drinkers via uh, Twitter. So we want to get to those. Um, but, uh, let me hit you a couple quick things here. To me, it didn't seem like we were tough enough in this football game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I know you, you, you make fun of me and you laugh at me. I don't know if it, it was in, like, the Lions had, like, that West Coast team coming east. But Seattle just came in and they just punched him in the mouth from from the jump. I mean, they uh, – ho- ho- Hold on. They did. They punched him in the mouth candy, and, of course. and what? Um, and you're right. They just did not seem – it seemed like, you know uh, – 
uh, Seattle wanted it more. It's like they wanted to put that to bed, saying that hey, we don't care. Like you said, the first the first few plays, Snacks wasn't in there. There was these huge gaping holes. The offensive line just blowing holes open for Carson, and he's just run up the middle. Snacks comes in there, shut that down. Uh, Seattle switched up the game plan, does a little more, um, does a little more pass. I thought Russell Wilson. I mean, that dude was just he was putting it in there. I mean, he was just making perfect passes. I mean, there was a lot of the plays where Lions defensive backs had good coverage. Like you said, they weren't getting their head around, but he was putting it in there. You know, and the guys were catching the ball. I mean, that's just, uh, they just, Seattle, they just wanted that game more. And, you know, you can say, oh, everybody works hard, everybody wants to win, but Seattle just looked like the, uh, the much tougher team on that Sunday. Yeah, and I was so frustrated because it's a home game where we got some mojo, we're playing good football, and it felt like right from the start they were just bullying us in the run game. As you say, Russell Wilson, he's got – I'm looking at his numbers here, two, uh, 248, three touchdowns. I mean, they were just kind of pinpoint when they needed him, third and long, third and medium. In the red zone, he was just pinpoint. Um, you know, I feel like they just – all the little plays, all the plays that matter in a tough football game beat us, and that's why they beat us on the scoreboard. Now, is it just me, Grifka, or is this one that we can pin on Matt Stafford for his turnovers? The fumble, I want to say maybe even had another fumble in this game, and he had uh, he had the, the pick down deep. I mean, to me, that'll get you beat most weeks. No, I mean, those. don't get me wrong, those turnovers didn't help, but those, the fumble and the pick, those were like late in the game. I wouldn't say... He, I wouldn't say Stafford killed us on this one. I would, I just think Seattle was just the better team that day. I, I, I honestly believe that's what it was. And they were, uh, the Lions were slow to make adjustments with Carrion being stuffed early. And like I said, in the second half and the third quarter, it looks like they used him a lot more. But they just, you know, they saw it wasn't working early, and they seemed to keep kind of doing the same stuff. And you know, no offense to Legarrette Blunt, but. That guy's better days. I mean, that guy got old really fast this year. So they tried using him a bunch, and he just, yeah, he just wasn't that good either. <laughs> Every week you got a bag on Garrett Blunt, but I got to disagree with you, man. Matt, Matt Stafford, his fumble was at midfield when they had a good drive going. It stalled him out. The 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 pick, which when only was a bad decision, it's inside the five or ten yard line, and that would have made it 21-28 with plenty of time to kind of play defense and get the football back and make a play. So, you know, we always say the football games come down to a couple plays. Like, I can't think of many other plays in the game other than, uh, you know, a couple 50-50s by Seattle's receivers, which we talked about, that swung it one way or the other. I mean, yeah, we got beat up a little bit just physically, as we said, but we don't have those turnovers. I think it's a different football game. But anyway – um, Last item I had for you, like, is it just me? I wonder if the Lions are going to be like this with, I can't believe I forgot his name in the beginning, Daryl Bevel as our offensive coordinator. Like, didn't it feel like Seattle just beat us by a thousand paper cuts? Like, they would just slam us on first and second down, move the chains on third, slam us, you know, on first, throw a nice ball on second, you know, do these little plays, work their way down the field, and then we're just dynamite in the red zone. Like, I – I hated watching it on tape. I thought like maybe that's what the Lions can end up being where they're balanced, they're physical, they're good, and they just can end up frustrating people by making all the little plays, all the plays that matter, and just winning more than they lose, which seems to be what Seattle does. Well, yeah, if that's what the Lions want to go for, cool. I'm all for it, whatever wins the games. But that offense works 
when you're ahead of the chains. And like you said, the the Seattle Seahawks were getting good yardage on first downs. They always they always seemed to have like second and medium, second and shorts. They didn't have too many second and longs, you know, like second and seven, eight, nine yards, you know, something like that. They always seem to be playing ahead of the chains. So that type of offense works when you can keep your whole playbook that allows you to you know, run whatever you want because you're ahead of the chains. And that's, if the Lions are going to do that, great. But you're right. That's a thousand paper cuts right there because they didn't, they didn't expect Russell Wilson to drop back, gun one, you know, 70 yards down the field. You know, they didn't have these short passes that went, you know, for long touch, you know, long touchdown runs by the wide receiver afterwards. No, they didn't have any explosion plays, but it was, it was just methodical. They matriculated down the field and at points just seemed like the Lions could not get off the field. Yep, I'm right there with you. So tough loss for our Lions. It's one that I remember before the game, everybody's like, oh, man, they come in and get Seattle, and then they've got uh, – they're heading to Minnesota. This could really be a swing point for the Lions. But uh, we just didn't play tough enough, didn't show up, didn't make the plays later in the football game that might have turned it around and took a big L. So, Grifka, we're going to take a quick pause here for another one of our sponsors, and we just want to say thanks to everybody for uh, listening to the Kool-Aid cast, and these sponsors are really helping us out and helping us grow the uh, grow the show, so we're going to pause for that. And when we come back, we are going to play a little fun game with Grifka. It's going to be Valentine's Day tomorrow once this podcast drops, and I'm going to play a little like, love, or break up with Grifka right when we come back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Grifka, so we're back. We did some news and notes. We talked about this football game. We're ready for our question segment. And Grifka, it's that time of year where love's in the air, Valentine's Day, buddy. And I thought I'd hit you with like, love, or break up. And the way we're going to do this is some real quick hitters. I'm going to name some players, and you got to tell me, do you like this guy? Do you love him? Or do you need to break up and you just want this guy gone? Uh, you ready yeah, for this? Yeah, let's do this. Grifka, like, love, or get the heck out of here. Tease Tabor, Grifka. <laughs> tease Tabor. Uh, I, I know you want this quick, but I like Tease when they drafted him. So to me, Tease was that hot chick you always wanted to date. And then you finally get the opportunity, and then you realize she's not that smart or she's just not nice. And you're like, gosh, I got to get rid of you. I can't stand you. That's what it is. Break up. I'm sorry, Tease. You know, thanks for showing up. You know, I'm sure I'll see your jersey in the pro shop here marked at $120 because it's a game cut. So see you later, Tease. <laughs> no, no, Griffka, you said that girl that seemed amazing but wasn't that – uh, wasn't that – and then, uh, are you at least going to take T's out to Ruth Chris before you uh, boot him? <laughs> so, more of an Applebee's. <laughs> All right, so T's, uh, sorry, you know, I'm a new, uh, Grifka's going to give you the boot, man. Uh, next one, Grifka, I'm curious to see how you feel about a certain Mr. Jalen Reeves Maben. Gosh, I, I still, gosh, he didn't really show up last year. I just, I don't know if they're using him right. I still like him. I don't think I think he's got a spot on this team. 
I just don't know if they're using him correctly. Or, But I still like him. I like his speed. I think he's got decent coverage ability. I still like him. I'd still keep him around. <laughs> All right, Grifko, would you – do you still like – are you still in love or are you ready to just call it quits with this guy? Glover, Quinn. Oh, gosh. He was another one that seemed to age fast. That he was the uh, he was the uh, Friday night hookup at the at the local watering hole, and you get up Saturday morning, and go, wow, this person's older than I thought. <laughs> Sorry, man, you were you were great while you were here. Sorry, it's it's time to go. Sorry, time to break up. Griffith, I think I know this next uh, relationship. What you're going to want to do, but. Um, a certain, I mean, this is an expensive date, Grifka. This is a, uh, this is just, uh, you put a lot of time and money into this one. How do you feel about the situation with Rick Wagner? Gosh, this one, gosh, uh, Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner is the, uh, is the is the one who always is like, I need more cash to go get this. I need more cash to go with this. And you're like, okay, great. You know, you just hand it out, <laughs> hand it out stacks, and never coming back with anything. And uh, time to break up. <laughs> Oh man. Um what I just got a couple quick ones. We'll hit these pretty quick. Uh TJ Lang. I still like TJ Lang. If he comes back, I think he's solid. Um it, he's, I gotta like him. him at the right price. I mean that's the biggest Do thing. Do you love him? You don't you don't love anybody, Griff, because it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Sorry. Theo. Theo? Uh if you want me to love so I would love Theo. I still I you know he's I don't know if this year. I mean, if age is catching up with him, but um, I still, I, I still like what his his skill set, his third down skill set that he brings. He's he's not he uh, he doesn't mind uh, blocking on the blitz, and um, and he can still catch the ball. He still he still got a little shifty to him. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with a love. I st- I still love Theo. Grifka, the final name, the name that everybody's been waiting for. Do you like? Do you love? Or have you just somewhat had enough and are ready to move forward? Matthew Stafford Grifka. I'm going to go with like. I mean, probably a couple of years ago, I, I, I would have been with love, but I'm going to go with like. I'm, I'm going to like him until I can see what he can do in this new offense. Okay. Are you looking around, Grifka, or are you, uh, you liking and also not looking at this point? Yeah. Um... Let's put it this way. I might start looking around. I might start start to wander come game five or six. You know, if, if he's looking like he did like, if he, like last year, it might be one of those things like when we're out together and I see somebody walk by, I might give it a, you know, a, a casual head turn, you know, make it look like looking at something All else right. and checking out somebody else. All right. Well, uh, we had a little fun with that. I mean, those are going to be names we bring up a lot because they are players that are going to be tough decisions or players that, you know, hey – we're hoping we love a lot of those names on that list because they could help us to make plays in 2019. But uh, like you say, I know everybody out there is kind of curious. So we had a little uh, half Valentine segment with Grifka. Now I want to get down to a couple questions that were sent in by our Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers on Twitter. Um, you ready for a couple of these questions to yeah, you, Grifka? Yeah, uh, knock these out. This first one was from at Lions Pride, just an absolute great, uh, great guy, great account on Twitter. He wants to know, what are some of the top needs for the Detroit Lions offense and defense? And how would you fix those sides of the ball? 
more so like what position would you feel comfortable about adding in the draft and free agency? So a lot there, but just kind of unpack it as like position groups that you're going to focus on and maybe what would you focus on in free agency and what would you do the draft position to help okay. the team? Uh, free agency. Um, we, we talked about this. I, I believe it's pass rush and you go get Trey Flowers from New England. I mean, the Lions have, I think, what, the 14th amount of cap space, which is still a lot. Um, and the guy knows probably Matt's pet system. He's played with him before. He, you know, he looked pretty good in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. I mean, so that would be the guy I would look to get the pass rush right there. Now, they also need uh, help in the defensive backfield. And um, I know um, – y- you know who I like. I like I like Greedy myself. But uh, so I, I, if they can get him at eight, if they can trade down – Maybe pick up one of the lesser ones. I know you like that kid out of Washington. Sorry, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Which Byron Murphy Grifka. That's right. You, you like a guy from a school and a conference that doesn't play any defense. So, um, All right. How about you read up about anybody besides Greedy and then come talk? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll do that. So, uh, um, so yeah, defensive backfield. That would be uh, I would I would look for uh, Greedy Williams in the draft. I would I, I would draft that. And, and then I'd sign uh, Flowers in the free agent pool for the pass rush out. All right. Well, sounds good. I'm going to be quick on this on my end. Like, I think uh, it's a really great tight end draft. So I think if you're going to help yourself with the tight end, you're going to want to wait till the draft to do so. I think Grifka's right. You know, everybody's projecting Trey Flowers as our main target. If they could get him as an edge rusher, I think that would be big. And then um, I'm much more apt to also look receiver in this draft because there's a lot of good receivers and it's much better to get a drafted receiver than to go out and pay a middle-aged guy that's maybe floundering a bit. I'd rather go get a, a, a rookie with um, kind of an unlimited ceiling type of thing in the third, fourth round, somewhere in that range, maybe second. Grifka, I'm going to take this next one off the top. This is from UK underscore Detroit Lions, uh, just a huge Detroit Lions fan over in the UK. So we're getting some uh, worldwide flavor here. He wanted to know, I mean, is Stafford nearly finished? Should you go get a young quarterback or maybe develop somebody over the next few years? So you kind of just gave your take that you like him. Um, I'm much more so on just sort of riding this next year out. I mean, you don't want to take the cap hit. He's, he's, got incredible arm he you know is smart enough to play the position he's played quarterback his whole life um, I'm not a proponent of drafting a late round quarterback really because I feel like the Lions need to help themselves in so many positions that it's it's often a waste um, most people think oh just get somebody in the fifth round and maybe he'll develop like I think that really happens you should either go with your current guy or draft a guy in the first or second round if you really want to try to have a chance so um, UK underscore Detroit Lions I say just hang in there hope Matt Stafford has a huge ba- bounce back here and then uh, you know if he does you know love it if he doesn't start thinking um, backup plans either the next year or the following year after that so I think we got about at least a another year or two to sort of figure out where he's at and hoping he can bounce back and play great football Next one for you, Grifka, another one from uh, at Detroit or at Lions Pride, sorry. It says, oh, this is a great one for you. I'm glad I'm bouncing this to you. Is it worth re-signing LeGarrette Blunt, or do you free up cap space and bank on carry-on um, and the rest of the backs they bring in? Man, this should take you about two seconds to answer yeah, this one. Yeah. Sorry, LeGarrette. Let me call the Uber for you myself. <laughs> oh, man. I it's It's so crazy how this guy played so great the last – you know, two, three, four years, and then he comes to the Lions on a decent contract and just 
didn't show up. I think he's a great locker room guy, but yeah, I mean, unless he takes like a minimum veteran minimum, just to kind of stay around and be a veteran guy and maybe make a few plays. Cause he did make a few plays in the year, but just not anywhere near where we needed him to. And we want carry on touch the football. So yeah, Garrett Blunt, you got to go. No doubt about it. Last one here. This is from uh, Mike, the GM, the CEO, as we talked about last week, he sent us in a good question. This is a good one, Griffith. This is one for you. Would you sign Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, or get a second round type running back or wait till the later rounds? He gave you four options. There. Okay. If um if it come if it came down to like signing a running back and my choices were Tevin Coleman and Mark Ingram, I think Mark Ingram's game is a little better, but I think he's also more expensive. So I would go with Tevin Coleman. Um I, I like Tevin Coleman's game as well. So um, I think you get him a little cheaper. But out of those options, I would look to try to get a running back uh, in one of the later rounds of the draft out of out of those three options right there. That would be the one I would look forward to. I mean, Carrion's going to be your main one. Um, I still, like I said, I, I still think Theo Riddick has a role on this team. It seemed like I don't know if they're going to keep Zach Zunner around for what he did later in the year. But um, I would try to look, find a backup later later in the draft. Yeah, good stuff, man. I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm not a fan of Tevin Coleman, really. He's hurt a lot. He makes a few splash plays, but I don't think he fits. Carrion can do sort of what he can do. Mark Ingram, yeah, he's a little bit more of a banger, but you said it. He's too expensive and just too far down in his career. And this is a great running back group, too. I mean, not at the top, but, excuse me, throughout like the third, fourth, fifth round, I think you're going to find some gems there. So grab one of those guys, compliment him, or like I said, I think on a previous show, um, Mike Davis out of Seattle, he's probably going to be the guy heading out of town with all the running backs they have over there. I mean, he can catch, he can bang. Um, he's young. I would get a guy like that and, uh, and, and address it that way. If you're going to, I think they do need to add, but I also think they need to know, Hey, I think we might have something special in carry on. So I don't think it's that big of a need actually to add a, you know, expensive asset in the run in the running game. But uh, thank you guys. Uh, those are the questions we pulled out for this week. I'll be looking to uh, get more later in the week, next week. Um, and then after me and Griff get through these Kool-Aid rewinds, uh, we're definitely going to be hitting you guys up for tons of questions as we want to answer what you want to know and want to just talk Lions as we get into free agency draft and beyond. So thank you, everybody that's uh, sent those in. We hope we address those for you. So. Grifka, it's about that time, man. You got anything else for the people? Of course not. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Kool-Aid cast. Um, we'll be back at you later this week um, on uh, dropping on Friday morning there with another Detroit Kool-Aid cast. We thank you for the support, the questions, the love. Um, we'll get back at you guys later this week. Thanks so much for checking in. We'll check you guys later. We're out. Drink it in, man.